For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a good week. Ooh, we got a good program for you today. Good program, Raising the Challenging Child. Raising the Challenging Child on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Brought to you by Liberty HealthShare. LibertyHealthShare.org slash rebel is the website. It's what Laura and I use. It's fantastic. It has saved our bacon. Definitely check it out. In fact, I have two friends that sell insurance that are switching to Liberty because it's such a great deal. LibertyHealthShare.org slash rebel. Oh, we've got Karen Buckwalter on the podcast today talking about how do you raise the challenging child. I know none of you have a challenging child, but maybe one of your friends has a challenging child. Maybe you were a challenging child when you were little. So what do you do when you are at your wit's end, when you're frustrated, when you're getting angry, and you just want to be a good parent? Karen Buckwalter is on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. It's a mom's on the mic. You've got producer Kay and the atomic mom, Laura Dobson, right there. Let's dive into it. Here is Karen Buckwalter on Raising the Challenging Child on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Moms on the Mic. Welcome. Or whenever you are listening. Yes. Uh, it doesn't have to be morning. It's just kind of morning, <laughs> noonish for us. So we are thankful that you're listening today. And I think you guys are going to want to tune in and yes. listen to this show if you are a mama or a papa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, man. If you're a parent of any child, <laughs> yes, this book is for you. Mm-hmm. This author is here for you. And with that, Karen, we would love for you to introduce yourself mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just welcome on the show. Yes. yes. Well, thanks both of you, Laura and Kristen. So good to be here on your show. I've been looking forward to it. So yeah, so my name is Karen Doyle Buckwalter and I am a licensed clinical social worker and for the last 25 years I've worked at a place called Shattuck in Quincy, Illinois um, Mm. where we have a residential treatment program, we have outpatient therapy, we have a foster care program, we have a private special education school where, where kids who kind of blow out of the local school's Mm -hmm. special education program. And then they sort of were kind of the last stop for kids all over the country in terms of they've tried lots of other programs and haven't been been successful in them. And so um, that's Chadak. We're a private um, nonprofit uh, faith-based facility affiliated Mm. with the United Methodist Church. And as I was sharing a little bit earlier with you guys before we went on, we've been in existence since 1853. So we've been around that for a is while. Amazing. That is yeah. so powerful. I yeah. mean, it's just like holy ground. I, I feel know. like we're walking on. Like you guys <laughs> yes. have been around that long making a difference for children and families. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. just and fantastic. We, you know, we stand on the shoulders of many who went before us ministering, and we mm. take that very seriously yeah. in terms of carrying on that mission um, to serve children and families. 
families. Mm. Wow. Well, we're just so excited to talk to you about all the things that you have learned and just your book, Raising the Challenging Child, How to Minimize Meltdowns. Who doesn't want that, right? Right. Right. Reduce conflict. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. And increase cooperation. I mean, that alone, I mean, the tagline is like every mom's hand just gets raised. Yes, please. (laughs) I was telling Laura before the show, I was like, where was this book 10 10 years years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Well, and I think, I mean, I get the idea, too, about challenging child. I was just thinking, and I know you had mentioned it in the book, I think, about you know, raising kids is challenging. Mm-hmm. You will be right. required to grow, to change, to, to maybe push to your limit, as some of us right. have been, you know. So I just want to dive into it and what spurred this on and how can you help us minimize, reduce and increase <laughs> cooperation? Right, right, yes. right. Well, yeah. So as I was saying, you know, Chadak, um with a residential treatment program and, and all of the things that we do, um, we've been like testing and trying things mm. and trying to be successful with kids that do present significant challenges. And so for that, we turned um, to studying attachment theory um, because many of the kids that we work with are adopted, um, actually. And we also began to look at interpersonal neurobiology and the science of the brain and and what works for one child didn't work for another, what we found. And so we were Hmm. gradually just like gathering all of these ideas, going to conferences, learning more and more, and, you know, having ample opportunity to try things and fail yeah. and try again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so our actual clinical niche is attachment and trauma. Okay. But what we were finding was so many of our staff members were saying, what I learned here has transformed my relationship with my children. Like my child's not adopted. My child doesn't necessarily have trauma in their background yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is really helping me. And um, staff members would say, the ideas that we have here are helping me when I'm coaching um, baseball in Little League. They're, mm-hmm. they're helping me in the nursery when I have a little three-year-old spinning out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know that. Uh-huh. So we were like, okay, we really need to think more broadly and felt like, you know, maybe God was calling us to share this information more broadly than mm-hmm. with this like very focused area that we are involved in clinically um, have been for many years and specialized in and really realized, you know, a lot of what we are learning here and what we are using in working with children that's really effective, it really applies to all kids. Yeah, it that's really, awesome. It really applies to all parents. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not really anything that we're doing that we would say, oh, if your child um, hasn't had a traumatic event, and actually, if you look at the statistics, who hasn't mm-hmm. like there's, you know, lots of trauma in our youth. We don't have to just look at it for that narrow population. Mm. And so we try to take everything that we learned from neuroscience and everything that we learned as being therapists and everything that we read about attachment theory and put into practice and break it down into nuggets that would be like digestible for parents. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes there's too much yep. clinical jargon and, um, even when we try to make the information accessible to parents, we're still not realizing we're getting too deep into the neuroscience and parents are glazing over and they're just like, okay, what do I just do when my kid's having a meltdown at bedtime? Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, about, I, don't care, 
out through our transmitters. You know, <laughs> that's yes. great. Well, and that's what I was just saying. How it's such a like tangible toolbox mm. for so many parents, for every parent, and so basically in our show today. Laura and I have been asked multiple times when we've gone to speak at MOPS groups, specific situations. And we would love to ask you, since you are an expert Mm -hmm. and you have the even the clinical backup to it, the research behind it, all of that. So what an opportunity to be able to ask you some of these questions that we've had and in our own motherhood journeys yes. yeah for so sure. yes yeah. yes well I hope that I can answer them <laughs> <laughs> so I think one that I'm going to start off with is a very common one is the tantrum yes. so I'm talking about a typical two-year-old tantrum say it's the my shoes are not what the shoes that I want and so I'm going to lose it on the floor or I'm in a grocery store and mom said no and now I'm kicking and screaming and making a scene. So what would you help or how would you help a parent in that situation kind of dig through that? Mm. Yes. Okay. So I mean the first thing that I would say about any kind of tantruming is the best thing is being proactive and preventing it. Okay. So a lot of times when you see a situation where a child's tantruming in the grocery store, the child's overtired. Mm-hmm. Like really, if we think this through, it wasn't a good time to have the child in the grocery store where there's all mm-hmm. of this stimulation and mm-hmm. maybe different foods that they want or candy or toys. And I recognize is that sometimes that that's just how it goes when you're busy in life. But what I'm trying to encourage people to think about here is, you know, our you know, we have something in the book, Halt. Are you too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Mommy is. You know, are, any, yeah, <laughs> yeah. are any of those in place either for the child or for the parent? Yeah, I mean, we're not, right. you probably saw in the book, we're talking a lot about parents too and not just children's behavior. Mm-hmm. So the first question is always like, was this a good time for this? Or, you know, could we maybe do this after my child's more rested? One of the things that we say at Chaddock is feed and water the children every two hours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my goodness. I love you. that you're saying that. Oh, because lots of times I was just working with another mom and I had said, well, when was the last time you fed him? It was a boy because I have a little mm-hmm. boy. Well, he's not little anymore. He's taller than yes. me. He's a teenager. So yes. I do not have a little boy. I have a young, young man. Um, <laughs> but I yeah. had to feed him every two hours. And yeah. lots of the right. behavioral stuff that I was seeing got aligned or transitioned or disappeared because I just would feed him. Yeah. It's so common sense that you forget feed and water. Yeah. Yes. You get busy. You don't realize it, you know, and our kids are not always tuned into their hunger or whatever, or they could be starting to dehydrate. I mean, Mm. we as grownups, we even have the term hangry. You know, we talk about when we're too hungry and angry. Same thing for kids, Mm. you know, and I think sometimes we have to just like think about baseline where everybody is at. Is this a good time to go to the store or is this a good time to, you know, ask my child to do something that's going to be really difficult for them? Mm -hmm. Or could they have a snack and, and rest a little? little bit and then maybe we could do that so the first thing is always like prevention and being proactive (laughs) in terms of what we're doing before your tantrums come yeah Mm. so the messenger 
the first part, part of the message is the best thing is to try to like keep everybody at a good equilibrium with rest, with food, with all of that. Yeah. And that in and of itself will prevent a lot of tantrums. That would be like the first message that we would give. And you will see that in different ways throughout the book when we talk about being proactive and all of that. The next thing is, you know, say, say that this, of course, that inevitably you're still going to have tantrums. And I think one of the big things is for parents to understand the need for them to stay calm, Mm. that when a child is out of control, they need the grown up to what we say in neuroscience, co-regulate them. Yeah. Like you have to use your own ability to regulate your brain and body. You have to loan it to this little person. (laughs) Um, And so I think sometimes, you know, then, especially if it's in a public place or, you know, maybe we're kind of tired ourselves, we kind of freak out too. Yeah, we (laughs) amp up for sure. So if you amp up, the child's going to amp up and it's just going to be amping, 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 amping. So, you know, it's really important for the grown up to be able to take a deep breath and, you know, stay calm and be in charge and Mm. be kind and be structured, which might mean you need to say, oh, you know, I guess the store is not going to work today. We're going to have to go home or, or whatever, you know, like instead of just completely falling apart and getting overwhelmed yourself. And again, it's so important to me not to shame people because that's going to happen to us sometimes. We are just going to really totally blow it and escalate (laughs) as quickly as the kid. Of course. But you know, in general, when we can remain calm, we can bring the brain and body of the little person down to a calm state, too. Yeah. We have to loan them our, what we call um, in some of the literature, we have to loan them our regulatory capacity. Okay. I love that. Because their little brain and body has not, not learned how to go from a really high state to a really low state. Yeah. Mm. We teach them that as caregivers. Yeah. Mm. Or we teach them the opposite, I guess, right? <laughs> Yes. Okay. You know, there's Mm. something really fascinating that one um, brain uh, person, his name is Alan Shore, and he says the mother's right brain downloads to the baby's right brain, meaning they begin to look more and more alike. Wow. Wow. Right. So, my my, my brain. Hold on. (laughs) Wow. So does that mean like it's mimicking where she's at? Mm. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So so like if, if your baby's really upset and you get really upset, then that is kind of showing the baby's brain, oh, when upset happens, we kind of g- g- escalate. Wow. Rather than, you know, every time a caregiver, let's go back to, let's say an upset baby or toddler, every time a caregiver holds them, mm-hmm. rocks them, mm-hmm. pats them, calms them down mm-hmm. they're laying down neuropathways and in, in the baby's brain to eventually be able to do that without the caregiver hmm. wow that's fascinating that you so are cool. shaping a brain huh in caregiving with your children wow. and so if you're a person that really loses it every time your baby does that mm. your baby's not developing the capacity to calm down. Wow. You have to take your baby through cycles of calming down by you calming them down. Hmm, wow. That 
babies aren't born with the ability to control their emotions, right? Right. 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 They can't. They can't control anything. They they, they, yeah. they startle, <laughs> and their whole body reacts. Yeah. And they, they can go from they can go from smiling one minute to shrieking and being upset <laughs> the next minute. Yes. The way they learn to regulate emotion is from the caregiver doing that for them and helping their little brain begin to settle down. Yeah. Well, what would you say to the mom who's out there who takes it personal when their parents throw the tantrums, right? So that like maybe they escalate, get mad, or maybe they, you know, give them the silent treatment, whatever their method is. What would you say to the mom to help uh, coach her into being a better regulator or a better, you know, in the midst of the tantrum? Yes. So you're saying that when you say the mom takes it personally, that she feels very hurt and gets very upset herself. Herself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, that would be in part of the book where, you know, we talk about looking at your own history and what your triggers are Mm. and for better or for worse, we are most likely to parent the way we were parented. Mm. Some people listening, yeah, some people are like, no, I don't want to. It's so hard to be a different (laughs) parent. Right, Right. and and that doesn't mean you can't do it differently. But your default mode, when you're under stress and you're overwhelmed, your default mode is going to go back to what, what you, you experience. know yeah for sure so that doesn't mean and it could be you you feel great about how you were parented but yeah. you know have you ever heard somebody say oh my gosh the last thing I wanted to happen but my mother came out of my mouth <laughs> I think we've right. all said it yeah. right oh right right so we really mm. one of the greatest things that parents can do in terms of being effective parents is look at their own history and their own triggers oh, okay and so let me show you what this could look like suppose you perceived one or both of your parents as very rejecting mm. that you never felt like you were good enough that you never felt like you measured up mm. that you never felt like you were doing it right mm. And those are, you know, deep feelings inside of you. Mm. And you have a kid Mm -hmm. who defies you a lot, who pushes you away, who doesn't really want to do things the way you want to, maybe doesn't show you affection when you wish they would. Mm. Guess what feelings are going to be triggered in you? Mm -hmm. All that rejection. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling rejected. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it right. Why am I not good enough? Mm. So what that then happens is it goes beyond what's just happening right in that moment with your child, right? Mm-hmm. And it gets a whole lot bigger. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And stronger. Right. And that may lead to you feeling like, gosh, sometimes I completely lose it on my kids. Over, You know, I look back now and I feel really embarrassed and ashamed that I freaked out out like that mm-hmm. because he like dropped a plate or right. he yeah. you know but guess what maybe someone freaked out like that at you when you dropped a plate and a lot comes up in you when someone drops a plate right <laughs> yeah right so it can be that too mm. and so we really have to be able to look fearlessly and honestly at our own history and our own wounds yeah. because our children 
and our our people that were involved romantically that, you know, whether we're dating or married will trigger these things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God's provision in a way. Yes. (laughs) To get your own healing. uh Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so it's just really important to be Mm. aware of those things because when you're aware of it, it no longer has to control you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go on automatic pilot and just this happens. Mm-hmm. If you can think, oh, wait a minute, hold on. Like, I know where this is coming from. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I know that I felt inadequate a lot when and I, when I was growing up. And, you know, mm. Jason is triggering that in me. I need to, like just chill out mm-hmm. and not over respond to him. Yeah. So that's what happens. We, it's not that the, the thing that the child is doing doesn't need any response at all. Yes. It probably does. Mm-hmm. But I think where a lot of problem comes in for us as parents is like, well, it needed a response, but maybe not that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Totally. Yeah. I have right. responded. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the more the more we can understand our own history and integrate that into who we are, understanding why we are the way we are, how we react to those things, the more purposeful instead of reactive mm-hmm. we can be. Mm. So that kind of stuff no longer has to drive our behavior. It's there. We're susceptible to it. We kind of know about it. But if it's just unconscious for you, you're going to act it out all over the place. Yeah. One of the things that we say at Chaddock is if you don't work your issues, your kids will work them for you. Oh, yes. that's good. Oh, you got to say that again. <laughs> mm. Please. If, can you if say it you again? If you don't don't work your issues, your kids will work them for you. Mm. And I'm here to tell you, it's much better if you decide that to do that, (laughs) to figure out what your issues and your triggers are and whether that's with a therapist or a counselor, whether that's with um, close close friends, Mm -hmm. whether that's with your spouse, you know, whether it's with your pastor, your small group, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever that's going to be. Because if you don't work through it, right, that's what will happen. Yes. And it will wreak havoc. Yes, for sure. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Did you miss the healthcare open enrollment period? Because it has ended. But not to fear, you can enroll for Liberty HealthShare any time of the year at libertyhealthshare.org slash rebel. Why? Because that's what Laura and I use. I got to tell you, when we got a 70 thousand dollar bill for her cancer surgery... I praised the Lord for Liberty Health Share. They took care of everything. I'm not kidding, everything. Oh, I thought we were going to have to sell our house when I got a bill that big. I called my rep at Liberty Health Share and she was like, oh no, we take care of this. And they did. You can get plans starting as low as $199 per month. They've got plans for singles, couples, families. You can choose the ideal package for your situation. Plus, Liberty Health Share has no network. So you're free to pick your own doctor, hospitals, and provider. I got to tell you, this came into play when we were in California and Laura had uh, appendicitis and had to have an appendectomy all of a sudden out of the blue. What happened? Liberty HealthShare took care of the entire thing. So join Liberty HealthShare any time of the year. You can join right now. Plans starting as low as $199 per month. Go to libertyhealthshare.org slash rebel. That's libertyhealthshare.org 
slash rebel. It's what Laura and I use and we recommend it. God bless. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Well, I want to get on to some of the other questions we're having, but I was curious, what is like the most common parenting questions you get? Yeah. I don't know if it's a question exactly. It's a statement. And that is usually that my child just melts down out of nowhere. Mm. Or as soon as we tell him no, he loses it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this kind of harkens back to what I was saying earlier that usually these things aren't coming out of nowhere. So, okay. so like when I, here's a, here's a, I'll give you a, I think it's always good to like hear stories and examples. I mean, that always helps me learn and remember, but you know, I was working with a family once that was getting really upset because the, the little boy and he was five, he would just kind of lose it at the dinner table and giggle during the prayer and knock stuff over and just get you know, really dysregulated during the dinner hour. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, he would just sit down and and that's what would happen. And I have families make video. Um, I'm trained in a model called video intervention therapy. And so so I had them send me a video of the dinner. Mm. And, you know, what I saw was, one of the first things I saw was as they were getting ready to eat, he just seemed really overwhelmed with the transition even from playing to getting to the table. So mm. even when he first got to the table, he was starting to kind of get revved up. Yep. And then I noticed another child was being complimented on, on something. And I could see him sort of getting uncomfortable. Like, what about me? Mm. Is anyone going to notice me? And I could see him even feeling a little hurt and a little jealous Mm -hmm. in in the way he he was looking. And then he was like reaching over to one of the parents and really needing them. Mm. He was making a bid for, Uh, hey, notice me. me. I'm here too. I need some help. Mm. And the parents were like, no, 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 be quiet, be quiet. No, 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 stop. We're getting ready for the prayer. We're getting ready for the prayer. And, Mm. you know, then during the prayer, he like acted all goofy and silly because he wanted his day in the sun. He wanted to be noticed to get attention. Mm. He he tried to get it kind of appropriately tugging on one of his parents. Mm. And it was all of these little cues that were bids for attention that the parents really just didn't even notice. Yeah. I mean, we're busy. We're trying to get food on the table. Right. We're trying to get dinner ready. Da, yeah. da, da, da. Finally, you know, now we're at bid number seven mm-hmm. for attention and it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's knocking over a soda and it's yelling. and But yeah. really, it didn't happen out of nowhere. Hmm. Huh. I'm thinking of my own thing. And they don't. There were lots of little cues that this little fellow was giving to say, hey, I need someone. Hey, I'm struggling a little. Hey, I'm glad my sister did that. But is anyone going to bring up what I did today? You know, at school, it was good. Um, Particularly because this is a little boy that gets in trouble a lot and doesn't feel like he does much right. And so, you know, what I love about the video work is I can slow this down Mm -hmm. and I can say it really doesn't come out of nowhere. And if I can help you remember to see these subtle cues Mm -hmm. before they get like 
into big explosions, <laughs> we can like yeah. save everybody a lot of pain and heartache here. Wow. <laughs> well, I think and it's within- so helpful because we can just... I mean, if you take a step back and maybe video yourself and then go look at it, but also just being like, huh, there are little cues coming my way. Lord, help me to see them or how can I see them better? Or, I mean, that's just as a parent, just taking that little nugget like, oh, there are cues. Yeah. (laughs) For some reason, I'm not seeing them yet, but I know I can see them. Mm -hmm. They are there. Right. Mm. Right. Well, you know, Sometimes, and I've seen a, a meme going around Facebook where it says, if the kid's doing attention-seeking behavior, maybe they need attention. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I guess I just want to balance this out with, you know, we understand you can't notice every little thing that happens. Right. We understand day-to-day life is busy. It's just so close to my heart to not shame any yeah. moms and dads. Love that. You know, like. Oh, we're not doing it good enough or we're all doing the best we can. Yes. What all I'm trying to do right here is like give some additional thoughts, things to think about, Mm. things to maybe start observing, things to kind of ponder that could maybe ward off this kind of thing. Yeah. So I would say that's a big one with, you know, parents thinking things. My belief is that nothing really comes out of no nowhere and all behavior has meaning. Yes. So I would agree. Yeah. Well, with that, say it's a child walking in from school. You give an example in your book, but they come in from school, they slam the door and, you know, they're already dysregulated when they walk in the door. So what could a parent do in that situation to help kind of calm them down and Mm. meet them at that place? Yeah. 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 I think too often parents want to talk about it when something like that happens. Mm. And a lot of times it would be better to say, hey, could I get you your favorite snack? Mm. Or, hey. Food and water. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And movement. Uh, Hey, mm. would you want to come along on a walk with, you know, the dog? Or something like that. Because I think when kids are immediately confronted with, oh, what's wrong? They're sometimes not really ready after being at school all day. You know, it's kind of like that old thing when adage where they say when mom or dad comes home from work and walks in the door, don't like right away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, so many times we can think of this with adults, but with kids, we like it kind of goes out of our brain, yeah. you know, um, but good. they feel the same way. Yeah. You know, so can I get you a snack? Do you need a drink of water? Um, let's sit down here for a minute. Would you like to take a walk? So um, looking at movement and, you know, what if the child's hungry or whatever, it's sort of like looking at that basic subsystem, yeah. you know, yep. like. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you overwhelmed? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think also it also depends on the kid, you know, whether they're a talker or whether they're a real introvert that would be better served by you really just backing off a little bit mm-hmm. and letting them go to their room for a while, yeah. you know, yeah. or something like that. So I think a lot of that comes from like knowing your kid for a lot of kids, just saying something like, Oh, sounds like maybe it wasn't the best day. Mm, just acknowledge. Notice how I didn't ask a question. Yeah, yeah. you just. Looking. I did not ask a question because when you ask a question, it mm. puts a certain amount of pressure on the kid to like either tell you what happened when mm. they're not ready to, or come up with an answer. Yeah. But if you just make an observation, yep. you know, um, or 
looks like maybe you're feeling a little upset mm. and you know they might and they'll correct you if you're wrong that's the beauty of you know <laughs> we, we often talk about being curious mm. or noticing mm-hmm. that's noticing just like notice yeah oh wow mm. I noticed you slam you know you probably not slam the door we might not want to say that that could be an inflammatory but I noticed you shut the door a little harder than usual everything okay mm. you know or you know there would be a tiny question, but you see the idea that I'm getting? Yeah. Like, it's like you said, knowledge yeah. and notice. Hmm. It's like a validation. That opens, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Because that's connecting you to the child. Right. Okay. Right. And then they can think about, do I want to talk with mom about this <laughs> or what do I need? <laughs> you know, um, offering, like I said, like the snack or something. I mean, who doesn't feel good if someone's like, Hey, do you need a drink of water or something? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. You feel cared for, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that is a good first step instead of going directly into inquiry. Yeah, <laughs> mm. that's good. Well, that's wonderful with teenagers. I we yes. both have teenagers, but I think <laughs> just being being curious yes. has helped me yes. so much as a mom uh-huh. in these last couple years of just yes. supporting him. You know. Yeah. You're good at right. that, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yes. Oh. yeah. Well, I know our time is getting closer mm. to the end, but I yeah. did want to touch on the biting, because that is a question. We keep getting that. Is what's up with biting? Yes. <laughs> and how to help. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think one of the first things I would think about with biting is if there's any sensory needs. Ah. Um, and I don't know if you guys have heard the idea of sensory processing disorder, but, you know, it's basically kids who need extra sensory input. And so needing to really chew mm-hmm. um, mm. and chewing is very calming for them. Or it could be the opposite that. They struggle with loud noises. So it could be sensory either way, like they need more or they need less. Yeah, okay. I mean, in the extreme form, it's called sensory processing disorder. But I think all of us have sensory gauges that we have to be aware of. You know, mm-hmm. there's always people who can't stand a tag in their clothes and they're tactilely yep. sensitive oh, yeah. versus somebody who versus somebody like they don't even notice the tag like who cares whatever <laughs> so the first thing I would wonder about is that chewing a need for more chewing mm. and there's all kinds of ways to deal I mean that that might be a kid that once they get over the biting in that age they're the kid that bites the pencils then yeah. when yep. they get or older the straws, you know? or the, so, yeah. right right mm-hmm. and so you know and some of that we are just wired for but if we can have more input so there's even like little necklaces yep. like that you can get mm. that kids can chew on whatever that need is and sometimes once a kid gets more sensory input that way they then don't like need to it sort of like meets that need and Mm -hmm. and they begin to not like need that much sensory input so that that's the first thing that I would look at Mm -hmm. the next thing I would look at is if the child is just really overwhelmed with emotion Uh. biting is very a very primal form of aggression yes Yes. (laughs) Uh yeah so it is like that's what animals do Mm -hmm. you know obviously we're you know, yeah. a higher order than edibles. But I mean, biting is a very primary form of aggression. Yes. So the next thing I would be wondering is if this child is having really big feelings of anger or whatever that that are causing them to bite. Yeah. And I would begin to name that. Okay. Um, mm. A lot of pe- something like, oh, 
you're so upset that you're going to bite. But that's not something that we can do when we're upset. Here's what we can do. Mm -hmm. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, whatever. You can chew on this thing. Or you can come in and ask mama for help. Or Mm. you can let the preschool teacher know. You know, a lot of times where therapists and others who work with kids, I think, go awry is they say, use your words, use, you know, or they play these feeling word card games. But the first step to using your words is understanding the state that you're in. Yeah. And that has to be, children have to be taught that. Mm. So when you say, oh, you're so upset you bit someone, their little brain's like, oh. That's what I was doing. This is what upset feels like. Uh, Okay, that's upset. That's really angry. Okay, so you would have to do that and help them begin to recognize what's going on for them. That's the most important step that has to happen before they can say, I'm really angry or I'm really upset or I need help is recognizing their emotional state for them. Um, So I would be beginning to do that. Mm. Definitely looking at that. You know, I'm not a very big one for um, just uh, if your child does this, you do this. You know, (laughs) the next thing I would be doing is looking what's beneath the behavior. What's going on before the bite happens? Is it are we not aware that the child's feeling really left out or ignored? Mm. Yeah. Okay. But we've been so busy that we didn't notice that. Mm. So what's happening before that? And, you know, I made a suggestion that it could be anger under the behavior, but it could be other things under the behavior. It could be loneliness or it Mm. could be feeling, you know, just bad or ashamed about something. I mean, we don't know. This is why a big, and this is another really important thing I would want to say from the book. One of the key and biggest lessons is look beneath the behavior. Mm. Well, I think that is so powerful for all the families who listen to Rebel Parenting because it's not just one size fits all or just do these things and your kid's going to turn out. You're like, I read all the books and my kid's in jail or whatever, (laughs) you know, not that that's the worst thing in the world. But, you know, like just understanding that, yeah, take a break, look Mm -hmm. beneath the behavior. It's not always about behavior modification and making them fit into this mold of who you want them to be. I would say it's never about behavior modification. I just really don't believe it. Neither do we. You know, so, (laughs) so like what I tell parents is looking just at behavior is like cutting off the top of dandelions in your yard. Oh, yes. And they come back with their vengeance. If you don't get to the root... It is just going to come back. And you might control the behavior enough that it comes out in a different form. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. You might get them to stop doing behavior A. But, you know, we talk about that being the toothpaste or the tomato. When you squash the tomato over here and stop that behavior, it's going to come out the other side. (laughs) That's so so true. And so if you don't get to the root of it, Mm. so you'll just get a different symptom. Okay. Until you get to the root of what is under that behavior. And that's how we can really get to a spot of healing Mm -hmm. and improving, you know, whatever the child is struggling with is looking at the need or the want or the fear or whatever it is beneath the behavior. Mm. 
I mean, that's, I just keep thinking of my early, or like 20 through 30. I mean, this is uh, for you who are listening. I kept on having the same relationship over and over again. It was just different faces, but same thing. And it was because I wasn't going to the root. I wasn't really getting to the bottom of what I was needing as a woman and what needed to be healed in me such Mm. that I could bring a man that I dreamt of or desired you know, yes. that was healthy. And yeah. so I think yes, with our kids, exactly. you know, it's like, are you having the same tantrums over and over and over again? That's in one sense, it's a good thing because you can look at the root and be right. like, OK, I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So there must be a root here to go after. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, too, because I'm thinking of a certain friend of mine who has she has a newborn baby and then her daughter is two. And she just started doing these little defiant, like, she'll be like, don't spill the water. And she'll be like, oh, I'll spill the water and look right at you. (laughs) (laughs) But like in those scenarios where it's not quite obvious what's going on, like it seemed out of the ordinary, Mm -hmm. but maybe not. I mean, obviously, there's a newborn and seeking that attention. Mm -hmm. But I think... um, I'm just curious, as a young mom who's walking Mm -hmm. through that, how do you Mm -hmm. discern what it is your daughter really is needing Mm -hmm. in that moment? Hmm. Yes, yes. I mean, I think on something like that, you can follow your instincts. And what I hear you saying is maybe it's hard that there's this new baby Mm -hmm. and this two-year-old is, you know, not liking that Mm -hmm. and is wanting to focus on them. So you could... Uh, if I was working with this mom and baby, mom and toddler, you know, I would encourage mom that it's okay to say something like, I wonder if it's kind of hard that you have to share mama now. Oh, yeah. That speaks to the soul. Yes. Right. And so a lot of times a parent will be thinking these things, but they think they shouldn't say it. Yeah. I mean, Mm. There's really no harm in saying, I mean, you can say sometimes it's hard and your kid, they can reject it. No, it's not that. You know, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, most of the time they don't reject it. Yeah. And, you know, that is instead of saying, you know, stop spilling the water, <laughs> that is looking at what's underneath the behavior and stating it and bringing it into the room and letting that little person know. And the mom could even say, but I promise Mm. that I have enough love for both of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's really good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really a lot different than I told you not to spill that water. I can't believe that you're just directly defying me like that. Right? Right. Mm. It's like, it's going to a whole different level. We know that route. Right. right. Most moms right. know the yes. other route. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, we just thank you so much, Karen. I feel like I could talk to you all day. I know. <laughs> Don't leave. Wait. <laughs> One more. One more. I got more. Well, I'll definitely. Send my, I'll we send you my videos later. <laughs> we'll definitely uh, have to have you back on the show because yes. I'm sure we'll have more and more questions come mm. in and from ourselves and from oh, our listeners. Cool. And mm. you're such a delight. Yeah. Well, it's just really our prayer that this book will um, really help parents. And, you know, when we were writing some of the examples um, and with some of the editing, some of the uh, folks, you know, that were editing are like, 
this is kind of extreme, you know, maybe you need to dial it down a notch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, this is what's happening out there. Yep. I know. Yeah. I'm working with these families mm-hmm. and I don't want to sugarcoat it. I want parents yeah. to know, like, we get how much pain they can be in mm-hmm. and that sometimes behind closed doors, some pretty serious things are happening that they feel like they can't tell anybody. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Well, so you. if that be you, please reach out, reach out yes. to Karen and yes. their ministry. Reach out to us here at Rebel. Yes. We get it. Yes. We get it. Yes. There are things that occur that you don't want anyone to know. I mean, that's just the world we live in. So please don't be alone anymore and yeah. just reach out. Yeah. Mm. Where can people find the Chaddock organization? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So we're um, at www.chaddock.org. Okay. That's C-H-A-D-D-O-C-K.org. Okay. The book has its own website, raisingthechallengingchild.com. We have there a trailer about the book, ways to purchase it. Uh, we have a free uh, downloadable study guide to oh, use in small groups perfect. or Sunday school classes or wherever as just kind of a discussion guide if your group wants to read it, if it's a mom's group or or whatever young marrieds group sunday school group mm. anything like that yeah. and so that's also available there and um the book's available on amazon and other you know book outlets where folks buy books mm-hmm. awesome awesome well, thank you thank you karen god bless you <laughs> thank you for having me Thank you so much to producer Kay and Laura, the Atomic Mom, for doing the podcast today. What an interesting one. We're going to have Karen Buckwalter back on the podcast for regular Rebel Parenting because she is so great. Wow. Special thanks to her for coming on the podcast, talking about raising the challenging child. Thank you to all you Rebels for sharing and sharing this with your friends and family. We appreciate that. Thanks to Liberty HealthShare for sponsoring the podcast, libertyhealthshare.org slash Rebel. God bless Rebels. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word Rebel to 444999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.